this morning, before I get started, I just kind of want to share something with you, and, and um, maybe this is just where some of you are. Uh, you know, we're honoring our mothers today, and, you know, I know around our house, um, Laurie doesn't get near the credit for all that she does, and, and I know there are days that she gets tired of doing, and and probably there may be a lot of moms here this morning and or or wives or grandmothers or fathers or grandfathers or uncles or teenagers and the honest truth is right now you're just pretty tired and pretty dry and, and so what I want you to do for just a moment, if you would, indulge me. Uh, if you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes for a few moments. We, we sang a song in worship, and I just want you to listen for a couple of moments. And the first song we sang a moment ago, I want to see dry bones living again. It comes from Ezekiel. It's a reference to Ezekiel 37. It says, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. He led me all around them, and there were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. And then he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I replied, Lord God, only you know. Maybe you're here this morning right now, and the honest truth is if, if, if we were able to look into one another's lives, what we might see is just, man, I'm dry. And if that's where you are this morning, if you would, just very quick, quickly, nobody's looking around but me, and I'm just doing it because I want to pray. But if you just slip your hand up real quick and just say, Pastor, I'm, I'm just a little dry today up and just put it, maybe something's going on, maybe it's a circumstance in life, just up real quick, put it right back down. Anybody else? Anyone else? Father, you've seen those who said, hey, I'm one of those that's dry. Or maybe it was the stress of the night. Maybe it was the concern over loved ones. Maybe it's somebody's health or somebody's bills. It's a job, a lack of job. It's relationships, it's fear. God, sometimes it's just the circumstances of life. But the honest truth is we are before you this morning and without you, we are nothing. So God, I ask you to take these next few moments and and minister to each of us specifically where we are. Those, Father, who are needing a, a special touch that this morning, God, you would embrace them. Father, those who need a word of encouragement that this morning, Lord, you would use me to give it. 
Father, I pray this morning that, that as we trust and know you are the God of provision, you are Jehovah Jireh, our God who provides. I pray, Father, this morning that we would find in you everything that we need and that Jesus Christ would be all sufficient as he is. Father, speak, encourage, support, love, discipline, whatever we need. That, Father, this morning we will know that you are enough. And we pray that this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you would, please take your Bibles and turn with me to the 31st Proverb. I don't know that I've ever used, as I said earlier, this proverb for Mother's Day, but I want to share with you just a couple of quick words, and I've entitled the message this morning, Hear Your Mother's Words, and we honor moms today, and and it's right and fitting that we do so, Um, and and sometimes we honor them because of the example that they were for us, And, and, and the reality is the Bible doesn't say honor your mother if she was a good mother. The Bible says honor your mother, period. And, and so sometimes we honor them today because they were those great examples for us. And, and sometimes we honor them because we know we should. And, and hopefully we learned or hopefully as we've gone through life, we've found ourselves adjusted to the principles of Scripture. And, and those adjustments lead us to a place where we need to be. And, and, and what it becomes is, is hearing those principles of truth over and over again so that we can in turn teach them and pass them on to those who are coming behind us, that we understand those principles. And so this morning, as, whether we had a good example or not, there are principles for motherhood, and there are, these same principles work for fatherhood, and they work for, for childrenhood, and they work for whoever, whatever hood you're in, okay? I mean, these, they just work for us to understand this is how life is supposed to be lived. And so this morning we're going to look very quickly at the 31st proverb and what the Word of God teaches us about how we live our lives. So if you have your Bibles open there to Proverb 31, if you would please stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the Word of God. In verse 1, the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What should I say, my son? What, son of my womb? What, son of my vows? Don't spend your energy on women or your efforts on those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or rulers to desire beer. Otherwise, they will drink and forget what is decreed and pervert justice for all the oppressed. Give beer to the one who is dying and wine to the one whose life is bitter. Let him drink so that he can forget his poverty and remember his trouble no more. Speak up for those who have no voice for the justice of all who are dispossessed. Speak up. Judge righteously and defend the cause of the oppressed and needy. You may be seated. May God bless his word this morning as we study this proverb together. First thing that I want you to see, uh, this passage teaches us, and it's a principle that we need to have in our lives, and it's a principle that needs to be a part of everything that we do daily, and it is very simply, moms teach. Verse 1, King Lemuel, it says here, the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. Now, a couple of things that I want to answer for you or kind of cause you to question and then try to provide an answer is, who was King Lemuel? Well, the honest truth is, we really don't know. Um, 
there are two major philosophies or thought processes today that tell us who King Lemuel is. The first is that King Lemuel actually is Solomon. And that Lemuel is a name, the word means, it's a, it's a name that means devoted to God or belonging to God. That's what it means in the Hebrew. And, and so some scholars believe that this is actually Solomon since he is the collector and the writer of most of the Proverbs. And that this was a pet name that his mother Bathsheba had for him. And so he just identifies himself here as King Lemuel, reminding himself of what his mother always taught him, that he belonged to God and that he was devoted to God. So maybe that's who it is. Another philosophy is that he is a king of a foreign country, a small country called Massah. The word oracle, translated in the, the English here as oracle, is a Hebrew word that means Massah, or, or is translated Massah. It was a small kingdom. And uh, the thought process is that maybe he was the king of this kingdom, and his mother was uh, a Hebrew. She was an Israelite. And so what we do know is this is a Hebrew proverb. It is taken from the principles of, Hebrew, uh, of, of Israelite uh, uh, poetry. It is written in a form uh, that corresponds with uh, the Hebrew language. And so we know that the influence here is this. But what does it, verse 1 say? The words my mother taught me. And that word for taught, if you mark or underline your Bible, circle it because it means to chastise with blows. His mama wanted him to get this, okay? She beat these principles into him, okay? She disciplined him, wanting him to understand that these weren't just good ideas, okay? These were principles that could be lived by in life. And so she taught him. She chastised him with blows. She wanted to make sure that her son got it. And as he is a man of authority and power, older in life, what he teaches us is he got it. So what's it mean? Well, it means, number one, moms need to be people who discipline. Okay, Dad doesn't need to be the one that spanks the kid all the time. Okay, Moms, it's okay for you to administer discipline into the life of your kid. Okay, it's important for you to do that, to teach through discipline. And uh, you know, I've said this before, and, and I'll say this till they carry me away and put me in jail. There is an area that God padded on the anatomy of a child that is to be used to provide the instruction and, and discipline. Okay, uh, God padded a special area. Some of us, he gave more than others, but... We need to use that more often to encourage and to teach our kids today, okay? Uh, that's one thing that needs to happen. Number two, all kids need to be disciplined. I don't care if you think your kid is special and he or she is going to grow up to be president of the United States or king of the world. This mama knew that her son was going to be a king, okay? Uh, back in this day and time, kings were born, they weren't elected. And, and so she knew, but what did she do? She didn't care he was going to be a king. She still whipped him. She still disciplined. She still taught him. It doesn't matter who or how old or where your kid is, teach them through discipline. Okay, that's what we're supposed to do. doesn't matter if you, well, he's, he's so special. Good. Whip his butt. All right. You and I need to be teaching all kids these principles. All right. Number three. If you don't teach these kids these principles, they may not grow up to be old, okay? We need to encourage them in the things that, that make for life, 
okay? Number four, as you grow older, adults, remember fondly the fact that your mother cared about you enough to discipline you. Lemuel is not sitting here as an old man going, man, I, my mama spanked me and I didn't deserve it. Or I got dis-. You know, we need to think better about the way we were disciplined when we were brought up. And we need to encourage that thought process into this next generation. We, we are one generation away from losing this country. And, and, and we need to begin to take the responsibility today to encourage and to teach them the things that they need to be taught. Amy Grant, Christian uh, songwriter and, and concert artist, very famous, very popular, done a lot, had a lot of success in her career. In, in 2003, she and her three sisters began to notice some changes in their mother. They disturbed her. They disturbed them because they noticed that she was, some, some things just weren't quite right, but she was not officially diagnosed with dementia until 2008. And... So they would take turns going by to see her and encouraging her and, and, and loving on her. And, and Amy Grant tells a story. She was just getting ready to go out on a concert tour. And she stopped by to tell her mom bye, tell her what she was doing, visit with her, encourage her. And as she was talking to her mother, her mother was surprised to learn that she was a singer. It's one of the things that her mother had forgotten, that her daughter was a singer. And so Amy was trying to remind her, tell her about some of the songs she had sung and maybe some of the titles, some of the things she'd accomplished, awards she'd won, trying to jog her memory to get her to remember what she had been. Mom couldn't think of any of those things. But just before Amy walked out the door to go on this tour, her mother called out to her and said, Amy, and she turned around and she said, when you get on stage, would you do your mother a favor? She said, sure, Mom, what? She said, sing something that matters. You see, that's the whole purpose of why your mom disciplined you. That, that's the desire of a mom's heart, is that you and I grow up to do something that matters, to make a difference, to do that honestly, to do that with fervor and passion. That is the desire even of a mother's mind that may not quite be there. Do something that matters. If there's one thing that you could take from today, it would be my prayer that you take that, that in life, this life that God has given us to live, that we do something that matters and that it matters in eternity. Now, the second thing that this passage teaches us, not only are we to teach, but number two, it challenges us we are to teach what to avoid. We ought to, we ought to know what to avoid. Look at verse two. Verse two, what should I say, my son? What, my son, son of my womb? What, son of my vows? Don't spend your energy on women or your efforts on those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, Lemuel. It's not for kings to drink wine or to rulers to desire beer. Otherwise, they will drink and forget what is decreed and pervert justice for all the oppressed. Give beer to one who is dying, wine to one whose life is bitter. Let him drink so he can forget his poverty and remember his trouble no more. Speak up for those who have no voice, for the justice of all who are dispossessed. Speak up, judge righteously, and defend the cause of the oppressed and the needy. This mom taught him how to avoid evil. And how to avoid evil are, are those who, who wanted to better themselves at his expense. You and I need to be teaching our kids today that 
while it, this world is great and full of example or, or, or opportunity to expand and to reach and to achieve the greatest things, our kids also need to talk, be taught to be careful. That there are people today out there who will at their expense excel themselves. And the world's not good everywhere, okay? And, and let me just, just tell you, that's just darkness being darkness, okay? But we need to prepare our kids for the truth that they need to avoid people who don't have their best interest at heart. They're people who will take advantage of them. And we need to know that and we need to teach that. And, and not only that, we need to teach, guys, man, stay away from alcohol. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that to drink is a sin. I'm not. Word of God does not say that. Um, I'm going to tell you the Word of God says stay away from it. It mocks you. It makes a fool out of you. And we need to teach our kids to stay away from it because when they're involved with it, what the word of God says is they pervert justice. They see up is down and down is up and right is wrong and wrong is right. And, and so we need to learn to teach our kids stay away from the stuff that's going to cloud your mind physically. We, we need to encourage them and, 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 and teach those things in, in what they do. Stay away from those things, especially as young adults. Young adults, do you understand your brain is not formed until you're 25 years old? So every chemical that you take into your body before age 25, you're, you're jacking your brain, okay? Stay away from it. That's just, that's just wisdom, that a guy far wiser than me had included in, in the word of God. The, the third thing is take up the cause of those who are oppressed. Speak up. And notice what he says or what she says, what she taught her son. It wasn't speak up because it's good for you. It was speak up for the cause of the oppressed. Do something that betters somebody else. This wasn't necessarily good for King Lemuel. This wasn't maybe the best thing for his pocketbook. It wasn't maybe the best thing for, for his political advancement. But what his mom taught him is speak up for people in society who aren't going to have anybody else speak up for them. Do something that's not about you. See, that's what we've lost in this country. We just celebrated this past week VE Day. 70th anniversary of VE Day. Victory in Europe. Victory over evil, whatever you want to let VE stand for, but it, it is the, the day that we achieved, the Allied forces achieved, achieved victory over Nazi Germany and all that stuff that was going on during World War II. And they had all the celebrations that were going on up there in, in D.C. and all the flight formations, and they had over 300 World War II vets who were there. And they were, I was listening, just listening to the radio and listening to TV, listening to their testimonies about why they were involved and every single one of them it wasn't about me it was about our country it was about making things better it was about somebody besides me it was a, and you know what that's why we call them the greatest generation of all time because they knew it wasn't about them it was about somebody else and, and I thought how ironic that here in D.C. we've got these different World War II fighter fighter fight, uh, Formations, there we go. 
planes flying in different World War II formations as they cruised over the Capitol and the Mall and the Washington Monument, all this stuff. And, and it, that whole celebration was about a generation of people that said, it's not about me, it's about someone else. And I thought, boy, just a few miles away in Maryland, Baltimore, we got riots and stuff going on because people have said, no, it's about me. I have a right to steal and to loot and to destroy. It's about me. It's my right. We've lost that in our country. You want to tell you why I think we've lost it? Why I know we've lost it? It's not because of the world. See, the world's just being the world. It's because of the church. See, we've lost it. And church has become about us and what I can get and what I like and what I desire. I'm not going to go there if it doesn't meet my needs. It's become not about teaching and passing on to the next generation. It's become about what I want. And the world's just saying, well, I'm just following the church. Guys, it's about the next generation. It's not about us. If you're here today, you have a relationship with Christ. It's not about you. It's about what we can do to give to the next generation. It's what we can do to pass something on bigger and better than than we had easier, to to make the life road easier and life road better, to provide greater opportunity. That's what it's about in life. I haven't shared much about my my brother, and I haven't had a lot of conversation with Brian and Jeannie. I've had a few texts back and forth and and stuff, just so you know he's okay, and and you can go to... uh, the International Mission Board Global Relief, uh, Baptist Global Relief website. You can pull up Nepal and you'll see some pictures. There's a picture of my brother there on that website. He's standing on a pile of rubble and there are tears in his face. But the one communication that I've had from Brian has been this. And I, I don't even know what the, the death toll is now. I know what it was the day he sent me this text. It was about 7,200 And Brian sent me this text, and he just very simply said this. And I can see this in my brother because I can look at the picture of him on the, that pile of rubble as he kind of looks out, and I can tell that he is weeping. Okay? I, I, I've been around him long enough. I know what's going on in his, in his life at that point. And he says this in this text. We're okay. We're going to be okay. I don't want to leave. They're shipping us out for about 10 days uh, to debrief all the 30 people who are part of this group that he works with. I don't want to leave. We want to be here. We want to help, but we know it's probably best for us to do this. But what I can't keep getting out of my mind, 7,200 people entered eternity, Sean. And I don't know where they stood with Jesus. It's not about us, guys. It's not about us. It's about those who don't know. It's about those in this community who need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. And, and to get there, I have to know what I have to avoid so that I don't destroy my witness on the way. And this is a good opportunity to tell you that on May 24th, 
we're going to ask the Lord to provide for a year's worth of finances on 51 weeks of offering. We've done this for different things, but on May 24th, two Sundays from now, everything that comes in that day is going to go to Baptist Global Relief, the International Mission Board's relief deal, and it will go to Nepal to help. And we're just going to trust that if we give up a week's offering that God can provide. He always has. He always will. So just know that that's coming. The third thing that this passage teaches us is know, not only should I teach and know what to avoid, but the third thing is that I ought to know what to look for. I'm not going to take time to read all of these, verses 10 through 31, 22 verses. The reason we know that this is a Hebrew pro, uh, proverb and it, it is from Jewish uh, origin is because this is an acrostic. The 22 characteristics that are listed in these next 22 verses correspond with the 22 characters of the Hebrew alphabet. This was an acrostic that his mother taught him and showed him in a way that he could remember it. And he rehearses it. He knows. He lists these 22 characteristics. He pops them off because mom beat it into his life. He knew who he was and where he was because of what his mom taught him. 22 things that he said he was supposed to look for in a wife that he was supposed to encourage in his wife that he was supposed to teach to his daughters that he was supposed to model to his sons 22 things but the most important one of those is summed up in verse 30 where it says charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised see that sums up the whole thing and 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 hear me none of you ladies are Proverbs 31 women. Now before you throw something at me, let me explain what I mean. Nobody lives up to 22 characteristics all the time. To think that this woman had never caused her husband heartache is just not right. To think that this woman had never made a mistake is wrong. If you go looking for a woman that will measure up those 22 things all the time, every time, and never none of the time, you've created a fantasy that nobody can live up to. Nobody can live up to a fantasy. Okay? Ladies, you don't have to be perfect. That's not what the Word of God says. In Christ, you are perfect. But don't go around saying, well, I got to mark that off because she just missed verse 26. That's not what this is about. Okay, you missed the point of the Hebrew, Hebrew proverb if you think that all that's got to be there. What this is, this is what we ought to ascribe to. This is what we ought to strive for. This is the goal. And guys, you ought to be encouraging the women in your life, hey, you can get there. You ought to be helping, not criticizing, encouraging, hey, you can get there. Hey, how can I help? What can I do? And, and what would happen if we began to teach our young daughters, hey, this is the goal, sweetheart. This is what you're supposed to look like. Don't settle for a guy who will let you be anything less than what the Word of God says you can be. What would happen if we began to teach our sons, hey, 
Here it is, buddy. This is what you, you guys, okay? You look for a woman that has these characteristics. And then you do everything you can to build these characteristics into her life intentionally, okay? And I promise you, if you find a woman like that and you can encourage her, one day God will bless you with a wife that will knock your socks off. That's what we ought to be teaching. We ought to be teaching them this is the goal, guys. Before you ever start dating, here it is, ladies. This is what it's supposed to look like. This is what we're supposed to, to pursue in everything we do. Have the attitude. I'm going to make this better than it was when I found it. I was in scouting from the time I was 10 till I was 18. My mom and dad had divorced. We moved back to Silver Springs. My mom just thought, you know what? I need to get my sons involved in something that will teach them how to be men. And so I got enrolled in scouting. Man, they were going to teach me how to hunt and fish and camp and shoot a bow and shoot a gun and shoot a shotgun and how to survive in the wilderness with just a pocket knife and some flint, all those things. And I learned all those things. Scouting helped me. Dr. Max Latham and Dr. Ronnie Stanley, two doctors who had sons that happened to be my age, were our scoutmasters from the time I was 10 all the way through Cub Scouts and Weevilos and all the way through scouting. I was there. I didn't, I didn't earn my Eagle Scout. I, got a, I was a life scout and got most of my stuff done to get my Eagle, but I turned 18, couldn't get it. That's a long story, but, but that's not the point. I'm just saying scouting taught me a lot of stuff. One of the things that scouting taught me is no matter where I was camping or fishing or hiking in the wilderness, wherever we were, the number one principle was this, leave the place better than it was when you got there. If you're camping at the lake, leave it better than it was when you got there. If you're out in the wilderness, leave it better than it was when you got there. That's what we got to start teaching. What would happen if we began to teach our daughters, our sons, as they begin to date, leave this dating relationship better physically, mentally, emotionally, especially spiritually? What would happen if we said my marriage, man, when I started, this is where I am, but, but I want to leave it better. I want it to be the best. I want it to be the best physically and mentally and emotionally and especially spiritually. I want to leave it better. I want today to be better than it was yesterday. Leave it better than you found it. That we make that the goal in every single thing that we do. That we live that out in principle. I'll tell you what you're fighting. You're fighting a world that says you can't do it that way. We're fighting a world that says no, get all you can get and get it however you can get it. Hold on to what's yours and don't share with anybody else and don't care about anybody else and focus on you and you alone. The world says I can't get there unless I do it its, its way. But let me tell you, there's something else that says you can, and that's the cross. See, the cross says because of grace, I don't have to live the way the world does. I don't, if you grew up with bitterness, you don't have to be bitter anymore. The cross says it doesn't have to be that way. You grew up with unforgiveness, you don't have to be there anymore. You grew up with mistakes, you blew it when you were a kid. Guess what? Grace! It doesn't have to be that way anymore. Because of grace, because of the cross, I can do it his way. Paul writes and says, whether well-fed, hungry, 
clothed, naked, in want or plenty, much, provision, whatever. I have learned the secret. I can do all things through Christ, the cross. Grace makes a difference. Here's grace. God's one and only, only begotten, never to be duplicated son, Jesus Christ, the holy son of God, born of a virgin who lived a sinless life. Gave up his glory in heaven, voluntarily came to earth to live as a man, was crucified on a cross to the point of death. Buried in a tomb for three days and on the third day, God raised him from the dead, conquering once and for all death and hell and paying the price for sin. That's grace, and it's yours if you'll accept it. And maybe you're here this morning, and the honest truth is you haven't gotten to those principles. Remember what I said, it's a fantasy if you think you have. It's not that we get there, it's we keep trying. Some of you got knocked down, get up. Let the cross dust you off. Let grace pick you up. Hear the words of forgiveness and start over. Some of us, maybe for the very first time, man, we've been trying, we have been working, we have been expending our energy. There is the standard. I got to get there and I've got to do more of this and I got to do more of that and, and more of this makeup and more of these clothes and more of this and more of this and more of this and more of this. And the reality is no grace. Grace says, as you are, you are perfect if you will come to him on his terms and let him be Lord of your life. You are forgiven and restored. Maybe there's some moms here this morning and you've been kicking yourself and you know God has forgiven you, but you can't forgive yourself. It's done. Jesus said it's finished. It's done. Let it be done. Some dads here. Man, maybe we hadn't been the people of help we're supposed to be. And right now the Holy Spirit's saying, look, you can encourage. You can make this thing what it's supposed to be. Come on. Let him. Whatever God's telling you to do, 